Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So pastor asked me this morning after the morning service if I had anything uh, in addition to last week. And who was here last week, last Sunday night? Who was in service? All right, and if somebody around you doesn't have their hand up, you can punch them real good. No, don't do that. Um, it's good to be in church when we have church, right? And uh, the Bible says even so much more as we see the day approaching, right, to, to, about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And you know, every time we come together, it can be good, and it, it should be good. But you know what? Our, our attitude and how we approach it affects a lot of that. But uh, it's good to be here. And... Um, and so he asked me if I had anything that kind of went along with, with what I talked about last week, and, and I do. And, um, uh, you know, God, there, there's so much more that God wants to do. I don't know about you, but I'm not satisfied. I said, I'm just not satisfied. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've been born again as long as I can remember, but I'm just not satisfied with what I've seen. When I read the Word, I mean, I, I'm thankful for what God has done. You, you understand, I'm thankful for what is, God has done, but, but anybody else, when I read what the Bible says, the things that happen in the Bible, I'm a, I'm a wee bit jealous of some of the, if that's the right way to say it, I'm just a little bit at times like, man, I mean, you know, I would love to, I, I can't wait to get to heaven. I want to put in the DVD of heaven, you know, or, or now the, you know, MP4 of heaven and, and watch the video file, you know, of God parting the Red Sea and all these different, different things that happened, all the miracles that Jesus did. I want to see the, the uncut DVD of all the ones that couldn't be included in the Bible because there wouldn't have been room enough to contain it. I want to see all of those things. Maybe he's probably had Somebody with big ears like me that he shrunk their ears down, and or something, you know, that uh, that had I known it, I could have used my faith to have my ears shrunk. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure there's so many awesome things that 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 shut up. Uh, there's so many awesome things. Steve's up here laughing at me. Uh, so many awesome things that God has done that I read, and and I'm just not satisfied. And and please don't get me wrong. I, I'm grateful for every time God moves, every time He shows up. But, you know, I read some scriptures last week about times where in the Bible where God showed up just to kind of stretch our expectation. I mean, if you have low expectation, you have low experience. And so it's easy to get into a habit of what we're comfortable with and the, 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 the type of, or the, the degree of the move of God, the presence of God that we get comfortable with. How I many know that you can, anytime you contact the presence of God, it's going to challenge you to make changes, right? And you can get comfortable at a certain spot because you're comfortable with what's happening because it's also comfortable in your flesh. You don't have to do a whole lot else to, to adjust to it. You, you know what I'm saying? But everybody know what else I'm saying, right? I mean, you, you, get, you get used to a certain spot of adjustment to that, and, and we can get comfortable. Human beings are so adept to just getting, to, to, to getting comfortable and adapting to their environment, what's going on. And we can live in the coldest section of the planet. We can live in the hottest section. We can live in Florida in the summer. I mean, we can live, we can do all of these things, you know, um, but we can also get comfortable with what we've known, and, and we can think in our own limited understanding, well, this is it. We've arrived. How I many know where the things of God are concerned, this is not it, and we have not arrived? I mean, Pastor said this morning that he, he that, that physicist said that the universe was created in the, in the amount of time it takes to create a sandwich, which isn't that long. That's pretty quick, right? He did all of that in that amount. Of, I would think, I think God's pretty awesome. I think he's got a whole lot more he could do. And we, and we see in the word things that he's done before and things he's done. And we also know that God's not a respecter of persons. I personally believe even what we read here is just, is, is just scratching the surface of what, of who God is. 
I don't even think this stuff that we read is, I mean, uh, and I say this stuff, I don't mean that disrespectfully. I mean that from the standpoint of what we read, that the things that we hear and the, and the examples that are given are, are minor in comparison to who God really is. I mean, he's God. And, and, and just by nature of being God, he is amazing. And, and I love the scripture in Ephesians that says for the ages to come, you know, he's going he's gonna to show his goodness and his glory. And, and we're going to be that, the subject of, of his grace in the ages to come. But what is that going to look like? I don't know. But boy, I can't wait to get there. I mean, that's, it, it's going to be a good day. Every day is going to be a great day. It's going to be wonderful. Why? Because we're hanging out with God, and, and there's so much to, to experience. This morning, you know, I'm a space guy, and I like outer space stuff and thinking about that stuff, and you talking about the, the universe. I want to know what's on the other side of the universe. What's outside of that? Well, we're going to be able to experience those things and see those things by the goodness of God, and when you get there, guess what we're going to find? More of him, right? I mean, it's just going to be awesome, and so... Uh, it's easy to, to get kind of small in our thinking and comfortable in our position. So we read different accounts of, of different things that happened. You know, the ministers in Second Chronicles were ministering to the Lord, that uh, the people, as they were one accord, right, that the glory of God filled the place. And, you know, I've been in time, places where, you know, you've sensed the presence of God and even seen perhaps the glory of God, but not in a way where nobody could stand. I've not been there yet. Anybody else been there yet? Without a single person could stand. I, I, I want to. I would like to know that. And I, you know, it's not about chasing experiences, but anything that's real and has and there and you're in a real relationship is going to have real experiences attached to it. I mean, there's going to be things about that. And we we so we read that. Uh, we talked about. Um, I don't know, some of the others we, we, we mentioned, but uh, Paul and Silas in jail, you know, the, 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 the prison being shaken up, and that's the way to get out of jail right there. I mean, a pardon is good, but the Holy Ghost setting you free, that's way better, right? Uh, you know, the, uh, Acts chapter 4, when, when, when they were assembled together and they prayed for boldness, God gave it to them, and, and the room where they were assembled was shaken. I mean, that's we. Let's have some shaken services. I mean, that you know, not that we're chasing after something specific, but I want God... I look at it like this. I know my personality and, and the people I love. I want the people I love to experience me. I want to be, I want to be me when I'm with them. I don't want to be somebody else. I just want to be me and, and just who I am, just be, just be me. Well, God's the same way. He loves us and he just wants to be himself. And he is just a room-shaking, glory-filling. That's who he is. I mean, that, he, he is a creator. He is, that's just who he is. If, if, he, if he can speak the worlds into existence, if he can do all these things, if he kicks Satan out of heaven by the flick of a finger, he wants to do more. And one of the things I talked about, you know, that, that, that's a danger, I, saw, I said last week, and we won't go over all of that, but uh, it's complacency. And, and remember Peter Defend was here, and he talked about hunger. Hunger is the opposite of complacency, hunger for more of God. Listen, the church, the body of Christ, we need to know God in a deeper, more real way, not just, and, and I'm saying this as, as in a general sense, the body of Christ doesn't just need to know him strictly in black and white with red letters every now and then. We need to know him and who he is right? That's why we have the Holy Spirit is to guide us in the truth and to reveal things to us, to, to make these things real to us. We need that. The church needs that, but the world needs this. When Jesus came, Jesus didn't walk the earth and just quote scripture. He demonstrated the love of God. He demonstrated the life of God. Didn't he? 
Then he, then he tells his followers, they, they said, show us, you know, the Lord. He said, how long have I got to be, be with you guys? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Well, he came to, to not only say what the Father told him to say, but to do and to show the Father, right? To demonstrate. Well, there is a demonstration side that God wants to do. The world needs this. And can I be honest? We know this is true. What we know so far or what we're comfortable in walking in isn't doing the job. Can we be honest tonight? What we've known and what we're experiencing is good for us because we've latched hold of it, but it's n- we're not turning the world upside down with the way things are. I don't know how many people live in High Springs and in Alachua tonight. I don't know who lives in our surrounding area in this, this area, but, but, but the gospel, as good as it is and what we have here, it's great. I'm, I'm, you understand I'm not downplaying these things, but what I'm saying is more is needed In general, the body of Christ doesn't look that different from the rest of the world. I've had people say, well, you know, why would I want to do that? I can do it on my own just as good. That's not a a, a rip on God. That's not a talking bad about God. That's talking bad about us. Because there are things that are, we know who God is. He wants to demonstrate himself. He wants to be himself. He wants to act out, so to speak. He wants to do those things, but there are things keeping him from being able to do that. And it's not the world's job to figure that out. You know, it's interesting, you know, when you read in the, in the second chapter of Acts on the day of Pentecost that where did that outpouring start? Where did it all start? Did it start on the street or did it start somewhere else? Nobody knows. So they, it was in the upper room, right? They were in the upper room. They was, there was 120 gathered together. They were down, now, it started out a much larger number. And it's interesting. It started out a larger number, and, and people left in order for God to do what he needed to do. You know, sometimes that's just the way it is. But, but people had to leave in order for God to be able to do what he wanted to do. But when that 120 were there and they got in one accord, now who knows what it was, but for some reason they weren't in one accord. But at, at some point they got in one accord and one heart pursuing God. But they were in the upper room. They were in a private place, a, basically a, an early church service, right? That was the early church gathered together. That's when it started there. That's when it started it didn't just start somewhere with a bunch of people roaming around who didn't know who Jesus was and never heard anything. It, no, it started in the upper room. But when God shows up in a real way, what God starts in the upper room will spill out into public, right? When God starts doing something that's, that, that, that is on this level, it'll spill out into the streets. It'll spill out. And that day they went from 120 to 3,120. I mean, it was an immediate, massive increase. We're talking about shaking Jerusalem up. Why? Because God was moving. Well, the group, the believers had to do something. They had to seek God. They had to desire those things. They didn't fully understand what it, what all was meant that Jesus promised. But that's encouraging to me. We don't have to even understand everything. If our heart is right, God will meet us because we can't understand him, but we do have to obey. Right? We don't have to understand him, but we do have to obey and be open to what he wants to do. And if we'll do that, God will show up and, and then things will happen. I believe, and, and it's been said before, but I believe that the body of Christ, I believe that the revival and the move of God that, or the move that God wants to do 
in this last day, God does it. God's not looking to end things with a whimper. I believe he's looking, looking to end things with a bang. He's not going to go down just gasping for air and struggling to breathe. I believe it's going to be glorious. The latter rain is always better than the former rain, right? And so it's going to be better. It's going to be bigger. It's going to be greater. But the question is not on God. It's really on us. When are we going to get fed up? And I know as a church, we're just one church, but the body of Christ as a whole, but how many know a big fire gets started by a small one, right? A large fire, I mean, we, we were in Gatlinburg at Randy Gere's meetings a couple weeks ago. They were awesome. And um, uh, one of the afternoons, I wanted to climb up to Chimney Top. Who's been up to Chimney Top before in, in Tennessee? So I wanted to go to Chimney Top. And, and, uh, and so I went up there. And, and the, when you pull up, when you go there now, I mean, there's, the trees are bare. There's not many trees. I actually, had a, a, the last little section was blocked off. You couldn't have had a gate. And I did think about going around the gate. But I'm happy to say I did not do it. <laughs> I might have tested the lock and see if my leg would fit over the rail, but I did not go there. But anyway, there was a gate, and I could see the end, the, the thing. And so I, I did think about it, but the sign says something about putting others in danger and not just yourself. And I thought, well, that's probably not a good idea. But anyway, uh, they closed it because there was a giant fire that was there. Remember the fire a few years ago? And, and got, remember seeing the pictures and that? And people were running for their lives. And, and people, I mean, it was bad news. I think pastor said like 12 people lost their life uh, during that. And millions upon on millions and millions of dollars of damage. We were there just a, uh, the year before, I think, as a family, and then going back a year afterward, you know, now, I mean, there were businesses that were there that we saw three years ago that are not there anymore. There were homes that are there that are not there. There are whole sections of the forest that were there that are no longer there. And so they closed part of Chimney Top uh, uh, because of that. Well, the fire started on Chimney Top. But it didn't just start as a, just a... There, it, there didn't fall this giant tornado of, of, of heat and fire. A massive fire didn't drop out of the sky and burn everything up. There were two kids, two teenagers, sorry, two teenagers, you know, 14, 15 years old, playing with matches, flicking matches, which we've all done dumb things, right? But, but two teenagers doing something dumb and a, a, a match head, a tiny little fire, Caught on some, caught some debris, some some dead things that were there that caught on fire. Dead things coming alive, getting burned up, right? And it ended up turning into this massive fire that has changed the landscape of that area. It looks drastically different now. But it started from one little match head. And they say, well, we hear these things in High Springs, Florida. What are we going to do? There's there's 120 of us, 150 of us here tonight. What what's or whatever is here? What what's what good is it? Listen, a big fire starts from a little one. A big flame comes from a little one. Something that, that can go across vast areas and change the landscape always starts from a single little thing. And so our job is to be a spark. Our job is to be that flame. Our job is to be the match head that won't go out, right? Our, our job is to, is to make sure that we're ready to burn when we're struck. I mean, we're, that's our job. And, and there are things that God wants to do. There's things, I believe this is what God's wanting to do in these last days, at the end of this. And, and you got to be honest with it. You just have to just be, you have to resist the temptation to look at it like other people have looked at it. It's been promised. Who's heard this before? Who's thought this before? Well, the, I know we've heard this stuff. We've heard this stuff. I've heard this for the last 20 years. Anybody been there? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I've heard about these things for 20 years, and, and I don't see it. It doesn't look much different. How many know that the Bible says a day is What? as a thousand years for the Lord. So listen, just because our perception of time 
It may seem like a long time. It's not a long time. And, and you know, when, when things break out, they will, because God said it'll happen, right? It's been promised. And so we don't want to fall into the trap of being, well, I've heard this before. I'm tired of hearing this. Let's move on. No, we need to contend for those things, stay hungry for those things, not be satisfied with what we have, but want to move on. If we'll do that, we're showing ourselves faithful. We're showing ourselves faithful. I'm sure the 120, part of the reason it went from 500 to 120 is people are like, well, how long is this going to take? How long is this going to take? I mean, he's, he, that's been, I mean, that's, that was 10 days ago. Jesus left 10 days ago. We're still here. I got stuff to do. Oh, now it's been 15 days. Oh, I can't do this anymore. I got stuff I got to do. Or it's been 20 days. Well, you know, Jesus, I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. You realize people left over those kind of thoughts? People detached. They didn't lose their faith in the Lord Jesus, but they detached from the promise that he made. Right? They detached. He didn't let go. They let go. At some point, there's going to be a generation that's not going to let go. At some point, there'll be a generation that won't let go. You do realize that, right? These things are going to happen. Jesus is going to come back. It is going to happen. It's not a wishful thinking. It's not just some fairy tale. It's going to happen. It, it is a settled fact. It's going to happen. And the reality is whether we're interested, whether we stay or we leave the upper room, whether we keep contending or we detach, has got no bearing on whether or not it's going to happen. It's going to happen. It just has a bearing on whether or not we're going to be a part of it. And even if it's after our lifetime, we can still have a part of that to keep the fire burning, to keep the flame burning, to keep the expectation high, to keep praying and contending for these things. I mean, you know, our prayers can even affect the next generation, right? I mean, Peter or Paul prayed in Ephesians. That prayer in Ephesians 1 is still speaking today. I mean, that prayer is still effective today, right? So we have a chance, we have, a, we have, a, we have an opportunity to either let go or contend for something, right? We have, we, have, we have an option. And complacency is something we cannot afford to have. I said complacency is something we just can't afford to have. If you're satisfied with what you've seen, I would dare say you might even be backslidden. You used the B word in church, backslidden. I did. I mean, if you are satisfied with what you've seen, you might even be backslidden. You got you to gotta ask yourself, is God satisfied with what we've seen? We have to look at things not from our perspective, but from his perspective. Is he satisfied with what we've, what we've experienced at this point? I would say no, because we don't have people beating our doors down. Right? I mean, we, we're not, the church isn't at that place where when we're out walking in the street, that people are stopping us in mass, waiting for our shadow to pass by. We're not at that place yet, but we've seen it in other places, which means it, it's still God's will and more. Listen, God doesn't want just Peter's shadow being something. He wants your shadow being something, right? Well, are you satisfied with what you've known? Are you satisfied with the blessing you've, thank God for the blessings of God, but let's not let the blessings lull us to sleep as though we've arrived. We have not arrived, right? Because the blessings we have now are, are, are pale in comparison to what God has to offer. Even on a personal side, it pales in comparison. So complacency is something that we have to resist, right? We talked about that. We talked about um, um, hardness of heart. It was funny, and I forgot to mention this. Who gets like the dictionary.com word of the day? Anybody else get that? Or just, just me and pastor? 
and Iris, the super spiritual people here with the three of us we do. But one of the words a couple weeks ago was stolid. Did you get this one, stolid? S-T-O-L-I-D, you don't remember? I remember these things, I don't. Anyway, uh, stolid, there's so many every day, but uh, stolid, and it says not easily stirred or moved, unemotional, impassive, apathetic, unmoved. We don't wanna be stolid of heart. We don't want to be stolid in our walk towards God. Immovable, not passionate, not emotional over. How many know use it? Emotion is a good thing when it's channeled in the right direction. I mean, just ask the mama. You get her upset, I mean, and then you're going to see what emotion will do, right? What about emotion for the things of God? What about emotion for the kingdom of God? What about being personally invested in what's going on? And so if we're going to see God move, if we're going to have the things the Bible talks about and not just be stories we're reading, but experiences that we're having, like I said, we're not chasing experience. We're chasing the one who gives the experience, right? And if we get him, we get the experience. You're going to have him. You don't get one without the other, right? But, but if we are going to have those things, we've got to make sure that we're not hard in heart and not open to what God's word says. I'm not open to those he places in our life to help us. Think, not open to, the, to all of the various areas that he directs us in. Remember I said last week, you know, that teenagers, they're in a position of being open to certain things. We ought to, no matter how old we are, stay open to what God would say, no matter who it comes through. If it's from God, be open to it because God's not going to tell us to do anything that's not for our benefit. And the minute we say, well, I, you can't talk to me because I'm such and such, I'm almost 45, I know what it's like. I'm such and such age, you can't say that to me, is the minute we have made the decision not to grow. That's the decision, we, the moment we make the decision that I have arrived and this is as far as I'm gonna go. God is not pleased with that and we are not a real representation of what it means to be a believer. We are not like Jesus. We can no longer say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Do you realize that is our call? That is our call. You do realize we're fulfilling Jesus' ministry and he said, I came to do and to say the will of my Father. If you've heard me, you've heard the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I have to ask myself, if people see me, have they seen the Father? If see people seen you, have they seen the Father? If they hear you, have they heard the Father? I think we all would agree there's some no's in there, at least an element of maybe not 100%. I mean, maybe a few people are at 99.9, but I'm probably not even that far, but we've got some room to grow, Right? Hardness of heart. Listen, as much as we've learned, there is more to learn. Thank you for that excitement. For as much as we've learned, there is so much to learn. You might think, oh, the learning never ends. Yeah, thank God, it never ends. Woo, it never ends. It's just going to get better every day. Come on now. We got to be excited about growing. Because the more you learn, the more, with knowledge comes the ability but, and the last thing I mentioned last week is lack of, act, of action, not putting, act, not putting action to the things we've heard. God won't give us more knowledge until we've acted on the stuff that we have had. But knowledge and a faithfulness to respond to what he's told us already promotes us for more, makes us ready for more position, for more opportunity. It qualifies us for more. Why would we not want to continue to grow? Why would we not want to continue to grow? It's because we've accepted an apple, right? <laughs> Something that's a lie from the enemy that's good, it's good enough. Good enough is not. 
It's so much more is available to us. And so we want to make sure that, that, that our hearts are pursuing after him. How long have I been up here? I forgot to start my clock. That's all right. I've got a few things in I'm going to read to you again what Brother Hagen wrote in his book, Following God's Plan for Your Life. And there's just a, a, something in the last line of this just kind of stuck out to me. It stood out to me. It says, there seems to be a lack of deep consecration to do God's will among some, some Christians today. That means a deep hunger to obey God, a deep hunger to be who God's called them to be, a deep hunger to push on and to press forward. How many know that's not the job of your pastors only to just push forward? If we're all pushing forward, I'm telling you what, God will blow our minds, right? He said, there seems to be a lack of deep consecration to do God's will among some Christians today. Recently, I was thinking about the difference between my experiences in full gospel circles 50 years ago and today. He wrote this in 1993, so it would have been 1943. He said, um, or, or is that right? 50 years ago today. No. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Whew. Been out of school a little while. All right. Y'all thank me. All right. I'm, I'm a calculator person now, but anyway. All right. So, so 19, 1943 area. He said, um, as I compared full gospel believers then and now, I realized there wasn't nearly as much sickness among spirit-filled believers 50 years ago as there is today. So, it, so you got to figure, even in this area, there's a connection here. There's a connection here between even the sickness we're experiencing. He said, I remember the great manifestations of the Holy Spirit we used to experience in our meetings. The move of the Holy Ghost was, was also a much greater and more consistent demonstration back then than it is today. And I was thinking about this. The Spirit of God said to my spirit, yes, and the consecration of my people was greater too. Let that soak in. Whether we choose, remember it's our choice, whether we choose to consecrate ourselves to obey God or choose not to obey God, it affects every other area of our lives as well. Makes me think of a scripture. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land, right? If, if you will willingly obey, and one trans translation said, I will make you rich. And that just doesn't mean finance. It means every area of life, if we'll listen and obey, but it's a choice. He said, I'm thoroughly convinced of the truth of what the Lord said to me. The consecration of believers was much deeper 50 years ago than it is today. And this is the part that stood out to me this afternoon. He said, believers appreciate and rever or, or believers appreciation and reverence for the things of God and the move of the Holy Spirit was much deeper too. And as a result, God honored that depth of consecration and reverence by giving his people great manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And the word reverence stood out to me. The word reverence stood out to me. And so I looked it up. Reverence just simply means a feeling or attitude of deep respect tinged with awe. Tinged with awe. Tinged with awe. Now when I think about, when I think about this word reverence, I always think about the fear of the Lord, the awe of the Lord. Not fear as in afraid of him, but fear as in being awe, in awe of God. He said, he said, believers' appreciation and reverence for the things of God and the move of the Holy Spirit was, was much deeper too. And as a result, God honored that depth of consecration and reverence by giving people great manifestations of the Holy Spirit. And so we know that, that, that complacency can, be, can hurt us. We're good with what we have, right? A hardness of heart, don't tell me anything. I know what I need to know. I know enough. How about, I mean, know that, that it sometimes don't tell me anymore. It's, it's I know enough. That's also a hardness of heart. I know enough, right? Just means you're not open to something else. A lack of action, not putting into action the things you've learned. How many know 
I tell you, that, that's, that's, I'm backing up for saying it, that is a scary place to be. To know and not do, the Bible says, God says, the creators of the heavens and the earth, the universe says that if you do that, you deceive yourself. Listen, a lack of action, the devil does not have to deceive us when we don't act out and act on the things we've heard. When we don't act in those things, act out those things, walk those things out, the enemy does not have to deceive us. Even though he is the great deceiver, we become our own deceiver. People who fall in deception, it could be an attack of the enemy. Most time, it is not. It is simply them deceiving themselves by not doing what they've been told. That's the truth. That's the truth. If we want to be deceived, God will let us be deceived. If we want to believe something else, he'll let us believe something else. If we want to have something else, he will let us have something else. It's dangerous to be in a place where you've heard the word. It's, when you say, well, well, I just won't hear anything else. That's also dangerous to not hear something and to willfully not hear, that goes back to hardness of heart, but, but to have heard and not put into action what you know to be true is dangerous. It is a dangerous place to be, right? So lack of action, but the other one is a thing of reverence or, or a holy awe tied to what God does. This lack of reverence is why, and I've been there before myself, we come into service and and we are looking at the clock, right? Are we almost done? Has anybody else ever had those thoughts before? If you, <laughs> has anybody in here not had those thoughts before? I'm like, see, any kind of a head bobble, so we'll just cast the devil out of you right now for lying in church. <laughs> We've all been there, right? Well, what is that? How many, how many know when there is a lack of reverence for God, he does not show up? If you've not gotten anything from the Lord in a long time, I would check these things in, my, in your life. If the Lord hasn't spoken to you in a long time, I'd check these things in your life. Complacency, hardness of heart, lack of action, or lack of reverence. I would check these things in your life. I check these things because if, if God's not showing up, even if what, when, what others say was a great service, if you can come and go and think, okay, I don't know what happened, you might want to check yourself. You might want to check yourself. Not only is it keeping us from having more, but it can he keep you from even enjoying where we are. It can keep you from enjoying that. And the enemy can use that as an opportunity to get lies and to sow seeds in your life of doubt that would say, all this stuff is a bunch of nonsense. It doesn't matter. You don't need to do all of this. What is he doing? He's after your life, right? It's easy to fall for these things if you're not careful. But a lack of reverence or, or a commonplace, approaching things as commonplace or, or not that important or being whimsical about things, a lack of reverence. And really, you can say it this way, handling or interacting with what God's doing in the wrong way can keep him from doing more in your life. And the reality is it is grace that he does that. It is the grace of God that God, is, the reality is it's the grace of God that God's not doing more than he is. We sang the song, I don't know what the song was, uh, offering this morning. It was miracles, miracles, pour it out. How's it go? 
Pour it out. <laughs> okay. Uh, miracles, miracles. <laughs> that reminds me of two turtle doves from a, a distant memory. Where's Mark at? Where'd Mark? Did he leave? He always must be doing security or something, but two turtle doves. So you've, all right. Anyway, so miracles, miracles, right? Pour it out. Pour it out. We're singing this morning. How many know that God wants to do miracles? He is a miracle worker. He likes to show off and, and be himself and, and do good. He, want, he doesn't see a single sick person. and he Because we know this because of Jesus' ministry. Jesus never walked down the street and saw somebody broke, poor, sick, afflicted, whatever it was, and be like, that's awesome. He never did that. Everywhere he went, he healed all of them. Says they brought him to him. He healed every man of sickness. Every, he, he healed entire cities. He healed them. There was never a time where he told somebody, no, that's my will, or God's getting glory out of this, or you keep it up, brother. I'm, I'm, you know, that's awesome. He never, he, 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 want, he wants, the, he loves the human race. The ones who know him, the ones who don't know him. He wants the ones who don't know him to get to know him. He wants to use his goodness as an invitation. He wants to do good. But the reason why he's not able to do more than he is, a lot of it is based on the grace of God that he doesn't. It's the grace of God that he does. You might say, well, how in the world is that the grace of God that he doesn't? This afternoon, I looked up a couple different examples of, of, of um, I don't know we're running short on time, but uh, there was, who remembers rebellion in, 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 the, in, in the children of Israel? You had the whole group, right, that came against in Numbers uh, 16, and they came against Korah and that whole group, and they said, listen, who is Moses that you keep telling us what to do? Go over, go over to the 26th chapter. Look at Numbers. We might as well look at a scripture. Uh, Numbers 26. We'll look at the shortened version here. Uh, Numbers 26. Now, it gives this whole account in Numbers 16. It's awesome. If you haven't read it before, you, you should go back and read it. Um, what did I say? Numbers 26? Yeah, 26. In the uh, ninth and 10th verse, so Numbers 26, 9 and 10 says, Then the sons of Eliab, and gives a different guy's name. This was a, a, a census that was taking in Israel. It's talking about this particular group. So these are the, um, these are the, the Dathan, the whatever representatives of the congregation, who, notice, contended against Moses and Aaron in the company of Korah. Notice when they contended against the Lord. They were challenging Moses. Now, God had moved in a supernatural way in the children of Israel. God was moving in a supernatural way amongst the children of Israel. God was showing up. I mean, he delivered them from, 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 from Egypt. God used Moses. God set Aaron up. I mean, he did all of these things, right? And they began, in the midst of God moving, they challenged Moses and Aaron. So they didn't realize they were chosen they, at the same time. They were also challenging God. God took this personally. You're, he said, he said you're, here, he's, you're challenging God. In the midst of God moving, he said, uh, uh, they, when they challenged or contended against the Lord, verse 10, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up, them up together with Korah. When, the, and when, uh, when, the, when that company died, then the fire devoured 250 men. Oh, uh, miracles, God move, God move. Do you want God to move? And I'm not saying this a joke. We have to be honest. Do we really want God to move? Because when God is moving, there can't be other stuff moving at the same time. What does 2 Corinthians chapter 6 say? What fellowship has there with light and dark? What fellowship does Christ have with Belial? What is the answer, y'all? 
Answer's none. There's none. There's, there's none. There's no fellowship. And when they tried to introduce darkness or Belial into what God was doing, the earth opened and swallowed them alive and fire burned up 250 people. I want God to move. Do you want God to move? Remember what I said earlier, this is gonna happen whether we like it or not. God will do what his word says. He will finish this. It's gonna happen whether, our only decision is to be a part of it or not be a part of it. To be blessed by it or be destroyed by it. God's gonna do this either way. But we have to go in. Remember Jesus said to count the cost. We gotta count the cost of things. Do we really want God to move? If we do, we gotta understand that there's gotta be a reverence. We can't treat that lightly. We can't just treat it as offhand. We can't just be complacent about it or just, we just, we can't lose our awe of who God is as he's moving. What happened to these guys? They lost their respect, their awe for God. They lost their respect for God. Moses, I wrote this down. Moses struck the rock. Now, it's interesting. When Moses struck the rock, remember the whole, the whole account of Moses stri striking the rock? God told him to, to, what, to speak to the rock, right? And Moses, when he got in front of those people, they, they annoyed him. Instead of doing what God told him to do, he hid it out of frustration. And the Lord said, because of that, you won't enter the promised land. God was moving in a mighty way, and God even honored Moses and responded to Moses, but it cost him something. I'm talking about reverence. Well, God's not, a God's not in the details. He is absolutely in the details. I said God is absolutely in the details. He cares how we do things. It matters. How we do things is not just the things. We're stewarding the presence of God in our lives. If we want more, we got to steward what we have. Go over to Acts, the fourth chapter. Give you a New Testament example. I had several uh, written down. Of course, in the, in the garden, the Garden of Eden, God walked with them on a daily basis. They didn't reverence the presence of God. Well, what do you mean they didn't reverence God? Because they didn't, they didn't take him at his word. They disobeyed him. What did it do? It cost them. Jesus, God, God had told them, in the day you eat this, you're gonna die. Isn't that what he told them? They didn't reverence him. When God is moving, there must be reverence. And so, like I said before, maybe the reason why we're not seeing more is because it's the grace of God. Acts of four, did I say Acts chapter four? So we had Acts chapter two here has happened and, and uh, the day of Pentecost had fully come. 3,000 people got born again. Uh, Peter got up and preached and it was awesome. And, and uh, um, then we had uh, them uh, pray in Acts the third chapter um, uh, or... or, or, or Yeah, so anyway, uh, God's moving. God is moving in a spectacular way. Things are happening. It says right in Acts chapter 4, right? And then um, I'm trying to find my place here. Oh, that's why I'm in Romans. Like, that does not look right. I'm like looking for the right scripture. You know, it's hard to read Acts 4 in Romans. <laughs> let, me, let me make that preaching note for later. If you're going to read Acts, don't read out of Romans. All right, so. Oh, this makes more sense. All right, so uh, Acts chapter four. And so we have the account here uh, in the fourth chapter. How many would say that God was moving in a real way? I mean, this was the beginning of the book of Acts, God acting out, right? 
And so all these things are happening in the, in the 32nd chapter. Um, they were, so the heading here in my, in my Bible says sharing in all things. It says, now the multitude of those, well, let's, let's stop. Let's read in Acts, the fifth chapter, verse one. But a certain man, man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, right? And so we have the account of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter five. It starts with a but. And so that tells us something happened before that, right? And so they were sharing in all things, and, and their God was moving in a, in a mighty way. This wasn't just two people out of the blue that were giving something, and they lied or mis misrepresented what they were doing. You realize that. It wasn't just something that was happening. God was moving in a specific way. God's hand was upon this. I read a book, um, Rick Renner. I've got the two books in my office, and it talks about uh, the, the, the early church and the different churches listed in the, in, the, in the book of Revelation, the letter to the seven churches, and talking about the different ones. And, and he mentioned in, in there in one of those sections, God was doing this because he knew the future. Because people say, well, does that mean for, in order for us to have God to move, do we need to sell everything and divide it amongst us? If he tells us to, we need to do it. Why was God directing them to do Why was there a move in this direction? Because great persecution was on the way. They weren't gonna keep, be able to keep that land anyway. And so they were selling it by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. They were selling the land, dividing it amongst them because they were about to get dis, be dispersed. Because remember what the enemy intends for evil, God always uses for good. Pressure came, they were dispersed, and the gospel went everywhere as a result. It left Jerusalem, it left some of those small places and spread all over the world because the enemy tried something, but God knew what was happening, so he directed them to sell everything. So there was a movement going on. And so it's talking about what was happening in, in, in verse 34. Uh, now there, there was among, anyone among them, there was, nor was there anyone among them who lacked. For all, uh, uh, for all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things they had sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. All people would get all freaked out about that today. You know why I know that? Because people won't bring their tithe to church. <laughs> I mean, the reality is we, gotta, we have to either take God's word seriously or not. And if you can't, you're choosing to miss out. You're just choosing to miss out. I choose not to miss out. Well, I don't like that, Pastor Greg. Well, it's the truth. Thank you. Verse 35, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed each one as uh, anyone had need. They did it because the Holy Spirit had told them to do it. And Joseph, who, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of, of Cyprus, having, sold, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So God is moving in a certain way, and this foreigner comes in from Cyprus. Now, Cyprus was, was very wealthy. Obviously, this was a large sum of money. He brought it in, a new guy in town, brings it in, sells this land, puts it at the apostles' feet. And so in the midst of what God is doing, how you know in the midst of what God is doing, if our attention gets in the wrong place, we can get our attention off what God is doing and on what other people are doing, and we fall prey to not reverencing what God is doing. And so they, he brought this in and immediately says, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife also being aware of it and brought a certain part of the land at the, and, and, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? They, he wasn't even getting on. 
it was theirs to do whatever they wanted. But remember, a move of God was happening. And because they didn't reverence what God was doing, they were more concerned with what everybody else was doing. The enemy was able to get in and cause their motives to be wrong. And in the midst of the wrong motive, the wrong action, the wrong heart, in the midst of God moving in a supernatural way, problems occurred for old Ananias and Sapphira. So while it remained, what is it not your own? After it was sold, was it not your, in, within your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? Why have you, why you have not lied to men, but to God? God takes this stuff personally. I can tell you this, when God's moving, he's not gonna be mocked by anybody. I said, he's not gonna be mocked by anybody. He just won't be mocked. He won't let somebody get in there and, and taint or discolor, corrupt what he's doing. Do we have individuals, people, whole movements getting in there and trying to corrupt what God's doing? Absolutely. It's the mercy of God that he's not doing more. Because if he was doing more, what fellowship can there be with light and dark? They weren't following, and as a result, with God moving, they lost their lives. Then Ananias, hearing those words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon those who heard these things. Listen, when God's moving, judgment comes. I said, when God is moving, judgment comes. Judgment doesn't just mean bad. Judgment just means judgment. In analyzing of your heart, in analyzing of, there is an analyzing or, or, a, or a declaring, a judging is the best word, the word that's used, a judging of what we're doing. When God is moving, judgment comes. This judgment didn't work out for them. Christina Sapphire came in, asked them the same question. Had she repented, oh, we were wrong, her life would have been spared, but she didn't. Verse 11, so great fear come upon all the church and all those who heard these things. Verse 12, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. When God starts moving, when, when, when things, people aren't reverencing what God is doing, he has to deal with it or, of, or else the move of God can't continue. When he's moving, he had to deal with that in the church because they were obviously people of influence trying to get more influence but doing it the wrong way. He had to deal with it because verse 12 had to happen. The apostles had to continue to do what they were called to do. The gospel had to continue to, to flourish. The point is, if we want to see God move, we ha there has to be a reverence and an awe for the presence of God for what God is doing. There must be a deep-seated reverence, fear of the Lord, not afraid, but in awe of who he is and what he's doing. Listen, we've got to be reverence what God's already doing if we're gonna be able to see and have the opportunity to reverence what he wants to do. We'll have to do that. Now, on Sunday nights, we're, we're, and I'm not, I'm not saying this because I think we've got major problems. I think I say that every time. I don't, but I believe we can step it up. If God's gonna do, if we're gonna have those things, if we're gonna go beyond singing about them, praying for them, right? If we're gonna go beyond that and actually walking in those things and then contending for more, then we've gotta be careful on these areas to make sure that we stay qualified because God loves us enough. And this is where the body of Christ, I believe, has been for a long time. He loves us enough to withhold himself so we can get it figured out. Correction, getting things straightened out has got to happen in the house of the Lord before it's going to happen in the street. 
It must happen in the church before it's going to happen outside the church. It has to happen here before it's going to happen there. When it starts happening here, you'll be equipped to do it out there. Right? It's so important that we do this. What does that mean for you? I don't know. You need to talk to the Lord about it. You need to talk to the Lord about it. Lord, what do I need to do in these things? How do I need to approach these things? Are there adjustments I need to make? I'm, I'm 100%, if you haven't noticed already, I'm the type of person, we ought to be thinking about what adjustment do I need to make? What adjustment do I need to make? What adjustment? Because God's not on the end. He's not the changer. We're the changer. We must be the changers. He must be the changee. I'm gonna read the last line Brother Hagin said in his book. He said, believers, appreciation, in reverence for the things of God and the move of the Holy Spirit was much deeper too. And as a result of their appreciation and reverence for the things of God and the move of the Holy Spirit, God honored that depth of consecration and reverence by giving his people great manifestations of the Holy Ghost. I do know this, God will honor our consecration and reverence. He will honor our consecration and reverence. And somebody's asking already, well, how long do we have to do that? As long as it takes. As long as it takes, as long as it takes, he'll honor that as long as it takes, right? Anything that God has promised, you do it as long as it takes. Like when your finances, you do it as long as it takes. You keep obeying God as long as it takes, right? In this area, it's the same thing. You keep doing it as long as it takes. I said before, the body of Christ needs to experience more of him. The world needs to see a more accurate example of who God is. It must be if they've seen us, they've seen Jesus. It must be if they've seen us, they've seen Jesus. And until that happens, until we're walking in that, until we're doing our part, God can't do his part. The reality is we don't have to have it all figured out. There's really no pressure on us. We've got his word. He has equipped us to do what he's called us to do. You might say, well, that's too much for me, Pastor Greg. No, it's not too much. You've got his word and you've got his spirit. He is the helper. He is the teacher. He is the guide. He is the very one that Jesus himself depended upon when he was on the earth, was the Holy Spirit. And you have him in your life. You've got his word and you've got the same one who helped Jesus do all the things he did. You have the same one. Teenagers, you have the same one. Non-teenagers, you have the same one. You have the same one. It's not difficult other than on your flesh. Well, that's the part I don't like. Well, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you there, but that, that's, that's, that's the battle, isn't it? It's not, it's not easy on my mind. Well, that's the battle. But how I many know we're not bodies and we're not minds? We're spirit beings in union with him. If God be for us, who can be in us? If the greater one's living on the inside of us, we can have every bit of what he said, we can have it. If we were made for it, destined for it, we can have every bit of it. There's no excuse. God's given us everything we need. We can have every bit of it. Every bit of it we can have. Every bit, every bit of it. You can have every, every bit of it. Well, praise God. And that's what I had tonight. I don't know how long I talked, but let's all stand up. Yeah, actually, I wrote this down uh, as we're sitting here.
You know, the message of faith and the authority of the believer that we've been given, the message we've been given, coupled with the right heart towards the things of God, you realize there's a danger in the message that we've been given, the message of faith that we've received, that the Brother Hagen champion, that as a church we've stood for all these years, there's a danger to use that for selfish gain. You realize there's a danger there, right? If we're not careful, the message can turn into a slot machine with God. It can turn into a slot machine type of relationship. That's not what it was intended for. God wants to meet needs and wants us to use our faith, but it's more than just having our needs met. It's bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's what it's for. And without the message of faith, without walking in faith, without knowing our authority, how can we represent God on this earth? We cannot. He will take care of our bank accounts. He'll take care of our bodies. He will absolutely do that. But the message of faith and the authority of the Spirit, when we couple it with the only reason people get into a slot machine relationship is because they lose an awe and reverence for God himself. He is not the blessing. He is not the benefit. That's not who he is. That's a part of what he does in our life. That's the goodness that we get to experience, right? But he is God. He's God. He's, and I'm not against the blessing. I'm not. I'm not against that. But what I'm saying is we have to make sure we, we couple the message of faith, the message of the authority of the believer that we have, but then use that to pursue everything that he's got. Everything that he's got, not just to, to pay a bill, but to show God on this earth through my life and through our church, through, through our, in our generation. To do this in our generation, I'm gonna take this message and in my generation, I'm gonna use it to honor God. I'm gonna use what I've learned to honor God. I'm gonna use what I've learned to honor God because he's God and I must have more of him. I must show him on the earth. He must use my life. If he used Jesus, he can use me. Here I am, send me. If we'll do that, that's why this message had to have been given. If you don't know who you are in Christ, you can't do it. You can't function. You can't function on a sustained level. I believe God's tired of doing grace outpourings or just mercy outpourings where he just does stuff to whet our appetite. You know, he has to do that sometimes just to, just to, to just throw something out there to keep people interested. Because why? Because they're not really pursuing him. He's looking for a partner, not a handout recipient. There's a difference. He's looking for a partner He's looking for people who will partner with him, come alongside, labor together with him. In the late night hours, get on your knees, pray, obey the Holy Spirit when he brings somebody to your attention. Get on your knees, believe God for them. Be used by God when you get up from that place. Whatever he tells you to do, he's looking for somebody to work with him. Why did Brother Hagin do what he did? Why did he affect his generation? Because he partnered with God. Why did Smith Wigglesworth affect his generation? He partnered with God. Will you affect your generation? It really goes back to will you partner with God? Or do you just want him partnering with you? Right? I believe with all of my heart, I believe with all of my heart if we'll do this, like I said, it may not be tomorrow because there might be just by chance some things we need to work out. There may be some things we need to work out. 
There might be some adjustments we need to make. But if we'll do those things, I'm telling you what, what we see here, what we see here, the things that we've read, we'll get past what, man, that was so cool. We'll get past that. Not, I'm not saying get past, I'm in a disrespectful way, but we'll get beyond just that and be, start having our own experiences with him. Having our own times walking down the street and the Lord deals with you and there's a person in a wheelchair and you just reach out and you pray for him and God moves, right? Having you do other, I mean, having God using you to do things, right? Having a place here where when we come together, that from the first note that gets struck, uh, uh, when, the, when the choir, the band, whoever gets up to sing, God's presence moved in. And when I say God's presence, not the presence that you think of, a warm and fuzzy feeling every now. I'm talking about the presence of God to the point where nobody can stand up anymore. The presence of God is awesome, but we've only experienced a teeny little taste of what that actually means. Right? We have to, we have to grow into some of these things. We have to grow into some of these things. We can't handle it right now, but let's not give up contending for it. Let's not get satisfied with what we've had. Let's not be satisfied with knowing a lot of stuff. That's great. Let's know him more. Amen? Let's know him more. Hallelujah. Father, we honor you tonight. We thank you for your goodness. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory be to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for your spirit Father, we thank you that there is so much more for us to contend for. There's so much for, for us to strive for and to reach for, to, to strain, as Pastor said this morning uh, about, about Paul, straining with everything. There's so much more to strain for. There's so much more to look forward to. Father, help us by your spirit and, and enlarge our vision, enlarge our appetite, enlarge our, our capacity to, to even be able to, to comprehend what you want to do. Father, I ask you by your spirit to lead us, guide us, direct us, my life, our lives, to show us things, places, areas where we can take a step up and a step into what you have for us and to be, into being who you've called us to be. Father, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be called together with this group of believers, this body. Father, I, I believe we, I speak for all of us that we we're making a decision to, 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 to steward the flame you've given us, to steward it well, to steward it well, to take this to our Sunday morning, to take it to the Wednesday night, to help uh, uh, create an environment where you can come in and move and do what you need to do here so that we can take it out there and begin to move in a greater way beyond these walls and let you take us and make us partner with us. we partnering with you to be who you've called us to be. Father, thank you. We're, we're making a commitment to, 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 to steward this and to go after these things, the message we've heard and to stay hungry, to stay uh, in a place of desire for what you want to do. Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your help. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for being so patient. Father, I commit my life to you. We commit our lives to you. Father, we commit ourselves to follow after you. Father, we love you and we thank you for it in the mighty in wonderful name of Jesus, hallelujah. As Pastor Greg was talking about judgment, 
There's a passage of scripture that we need to revisit in our thinking because the church has only looked at it one way, but there's another way to look at it. It's very liberating. In 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter made this statement. He said, for the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? I think I've always looked at it until recently, say recently in the last couple of years or so, I've always looked at this as God's judgment and the outpouring of his wrath. And it always troubled me because it said, the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And I would read that and it would trouble me. And, and it does, this verse does have an application of God doing the judging because he goes on to say, if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? The implication is that there will be more judgment on those who do not obey. So this is talking about God. But that's not the only way to look at it. Because when he said the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God, that judgment doesn't have to come by God. It can come by us. Because 1 Corinthians 11 says if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged by God. So I submit to you the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God and each of us need to take that up and say, I'm judging myself. Because if we would judge ourselves, then we would not be judged. He went on to say, but when we are judged of the Lord, then we are chastened of the Lord that we might not be condemned with the world. But there's a way to avoid that and that's judging yourself. And the time has come to judge ourselves. And we all need to do that. What does that mean? That just simply means getting alone with God. Lay your heart out before the Lord. Say, Lord, if there's anything in me that's not right, if there's anything I'm, I'm, I'm not obeying, if I've let things slip away, that you've dealt with me about and just gotten busy and moved on and not obeyed. Lord, bring me back to those things. I judge myself. I want to be in a place that is well-pleasing to you. That's what God needs all of us. That's what we all need to do individually. And it's a very liberating thing. It's not a heavy thing. It's a wonderful thing that we can, that we can God gives us the ability to judge ourselves so that his judgment won't come and his blessing will come. Oh, glory. The time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And so that thrills me. Amen, because I know I can judge myself. Amen. That's what God wants. Amen. Isn't that good? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Father. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, praise the Lord. It's a good night. Amen. God's moving. He's moving among us. Great things are happening. And it starts with you and me first. Amen.
At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.